0: Hello, friends, and welcome to Wednesday Night Dinner. Hey,
1: everyone. Welcome to Wednesday Night Dinner, the Catholic Terps podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by the CSC Christmas Tree, which has been making the CSC Barney Room smell like Christmas for the last week. I'm your host, Sarah Hall.
0: And I'm your co-host, William Pellegrino.
1: And we are here with our special guest, our first one, Father Conrad Murphy himself.
2: Hello. Hi. I, I, I don't like the himself, but okay. that's okay. No, I'm just kidding. We'll keep it in. <laughs> we'll keep it in. <laughs> this is gold.
1: <laughs> All right. So, Father Conrad, as your first time on the podcast, we are going to start out with the typical high-low GMO, or high-low God moment, mm-hmm. if you will. So, what would yours be for this past week?
2: Actually, I you know I knew that uh, this was coming, and I totally did not think about <laughs> the answer. <laughs> so, uh, thinking on the fly, uh, low. Um, yeah, Thursday. I like I didn't have a restful day. That was that was a tough day for some reason. So uh, Thursday uh, was my low. Um, uh, my high this week was. Um oh, I guess this is a, a good high. We played I, I forgot what the technical term is for it, but the person who taught me how to play this game called it the fun, which is like telephone but with drawing and writing, where you like you write you write a sentence and then you have to draw that sentence and then the next person has to write what they see in the drawing it's and like then telestrations. Telestrations, yeah. Ah, yes. That's oh, what it was. Okay. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. And and the funny thing was like Stephen McNerney ended up in, in two separate uh uh ones like someone kept putting him into the story and two separate <laughs> papers and then like santa was shooting rain uh reindeer in in like two other stories and we were like all these stories are converging into <laughs> <What>? one story
0: <laughs> it was it was wait, really fun wait hold on what were the two prompts like to begin with oh like, so was a big convergence well so there
2: was there was definitely no there's like four or five of us playing around like kind of like a bigger table and um and it started with the, like just write a Christmas sentence was the answer. So okay. and and I, some of them were very, very strange. Uh and it and it just like somehow though they were very different at the beginning, as we saw like when we unfolded them all. But like at the end it went uh it was definitely um uh, pretty crazy. So
1: you know, I heard about this like game experience and I heard that you are quite the artist.
2: I'm not, but uh <laughs> it was fun nonetheless. Uh, there there are better artists in that in that group, but it was uh um, <laughs> the person who was next to me kept like couldn't tell what I was that's the fun of it I like it when it like goes crazy sure so oh, yeah. yeah so uh, he was like I drew a cow and because one of the prompts was something about a stinky cow eats a broken ornament under a uh, Christmas tree or something like that and so I drew that a cow painful. yeah <laughs> I drew a cow and like I drew the cow's poop and like kind of like uh, smell lines coming off of it and he couldn't figure out what animal it was. He thought it was a pig and something else and like he thought it was two different things. It was great. So it changed really, really quickly. But then the uh, God moment was, I. so I have am blessed to um, get to say Mass for two different communities of religious sisters regularly. So on Saturdays, I say Mass for the Religious Sisters of Mercy. And on Fridays, I say Mass for the Sisters of Life. Mm -hmm. And uh, just a really great Mass with the Sisters of Life in the morning. Uh, It's at 6.45 in the morning, which (laughs) makes it challenging because I have to drive like 20 minutes to get there. (laughs) But um, it was a really beautiful Mass. And um, like for once, I felt like my homily was actually good that early in the morning. So... um, uh, it was, uh, it was it was was nice. And normally, so normally I get to say, I say mass there. This is just a really nerdy priest thing. I apologize. But like, <laughs> n- normally I say mass there on Fridays and they do a votive mass of the Sacred Heart every Friday. So every Friday there, it's the same prayers and the same... Um, vestments white white vestments unless there's something that takes precedence and so advent takes precedence and so i walked in and i saw purple vestments i was like oh this is amazing this is great (laughs) and i was like oh my gosh i thought they only had one color in there the whole time so i was pretty happy about that but yeah no god moment is just praying with them and seeing their holiness and their joy and their zeal like and and how excited they get to receive the the word of god and 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 the eucharist like that's really awesome so yeah that's my high-low GMO, as the kids say.
0: Excellent, <laughs> excellent, awesome. excellent.
1: Shout out to the Sisters of Life and the Sisters of Mercy. Yeah, you yeah. happen to be listening.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the Sisters of Mercy listen to my other podcast, so maybe we'll get them to listen to this. So. So what's,
1: what's your other podcast? Oh, that was a
2: shameless, sly, uh, like, yeah. <laughs> putting it in there, pushing it in there. Uh, listen to Catholic Bites, a podcast for busy Catholics. You can find it on iTunes or Spotify or at CatholicBitesPodcast.com. Not that I've said that 20 million times in the last <laughs> couple of years so it's a podcast of uh it's a catechetical or it's it's a podcast about like nerdy catholic conversations basically is is the goal 10 to 15 minutes nice and short uh and then we also do a history of the popes uh at several episodes too so
0: and, and which pope are you on now
2: marina's the second right now um yeah. everyone's favorite oh i know it, it was a bad time in the church to be honest but <laughs> it was, we're right in the middle of the dark ages so if you really want to be depressed about the church go listen to the popes from the 10th century it's horrible <laughs> but don't worry the light is almost there we're almost at the end of the tunnel we're almost getting to like the great gregorian reformation it's gonna be great so. Brother
1: Conrad, who would you say is your favorite pope
2: this is a question i've been asked often and um i can't tell you a correct answer i love the leos um, especially Leo the 13th and Leo the first. Um, but I always answer this question with, uh, Sergius the first and only for one reason. Sergius the first, uh, was Pope when this emperor in Constantinople wanted to show that he was like the big cheese. So he decided to hold <laughs> an ecumenical council without the Pope's permission and in that ecumenical council, he decided all these Western practices are, are no good. Especially, he's like he had, he, was, he had it out for depictions of Jesus as a lamb, as the Lamb of God. And he's like, no more depictions of Jesus as the Lamb of God, just as a person. We can't do the, can't do with this lamb stuff anymore. So he sends all these decrees over to Rome. And the Pope refuses to hear them. He, he knew what was coming before it came. He, he refuses to hear any of them. He like publicly shreds the, the letter. And then <laughs> he walks to St. Peter's Basilica, and he says... We're refurbishing the mosaic of the Lamb of God. And henceforth, at every Mass, someone will say, Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. Oh, That's wow. why we say the Lamb of God at Mass. Whoa. It's the, Sergius I trolling the Byzantine emperor and that's we've been doing it so fun yeah we've been doing it for 1500 years it's fantastic it's such a great story so that's why I like saying that that story oh,
0: oh my god! talk about having the last laugh <laughs> I know it's great <laughs> you don't even know who this emperor is but hey it's the same lamb
2: of god today <laughs> it was Justinian II the slit nosed I think but you know more on that story some other time yeah. <laughs> I need to brush up on my history
1: yeah. I know. <laughs>
0: Now I'm curious, when did Sergius I become your favorite pope? What's the timeline?
2: Yeah, no, after I found out about Sergius I, I heard that story, or I was reading that story, and I was writing the episode on Sergius I, which was like two years ago. So then I was like, oh my gosh, that is so <laughs> awesome. And we say that every single day at mass, and it's all a huge troll.
0: It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> wow. yeah. Catholic right. Bites, everyone.
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> check it out now. Uh, yeah, I don't know.
0: Uh, I think, Father Conrad, since we have the opportunity for you to be able to be here and speak with us, we got to go with the number one most classic question, story, whatever, of all time asked to priests. Tell us about your vocation story. How did you get from being a college student to going into the seminary to where you are now? So,
2: um, my vocation story is very much embedded in campus ministry. Actually, I'm wearing my my GW Catholics sweater right now, which I'm not really supposed to wear around the CSC. Unacceptable. But (laughs) but it's a really comfortable sweater. Um, (laughs) But uh, So I went to George Washington University, and I was into politics, and that was what I was studying. And um, I wanted to be the president, like every student at George Washington University. And uh, like every student at George Washington University, I'd applied to go to a Catholic school at Georgetown, but I got rejected. And so I went to GW. Same. GW is the Harvard of safety schools. So um, uh, it was. Uh, so nonetheless, I found myself there, and I was wondering why the heck am I at GW? What, what's I didn't really want to go here, but here I am. And I got really involved in our Newman Center, and um, first the Knights of Columbus, then the Newman Center, and I started um, going to Adoration. And I had a lot of culture shock coming from the Midwest to coming to the East Coast, and and so I needed a kind of like a safe place where I you know could feel sane you know amidst the craziness of people from the east coast and uh (laughs) um and uh so i started going to the newman center a lot and i started getting more and more involved and there's some i started going to vocations dinners and things like that because there was a free dinner involved and i started going to um the newman center more because we had we stole it from the csc but we had tuesday night dinner instead of wednesday Mm. night dinner and we had tnd instead of wnd but um But, yeah, so it was the same thing. We Actually, if you look at the T-shirts in the Barney Room and you compare them with some of my old college T-shirts, we stole a lot of your T-shirt designs, (laughs) too. I I see how it is. I see how it is. (laughs) So my my campus minister, Alicia, was really good friends with Michelle, who was the campus minister here. And so they were, like, really, really close. And so she just stole all their ideas. And it was great. So we were fantastic. Uh, But... uh, um, yeah, no, I started going uh, for the free food because GW has the worst dining options in the entire world. It was horrible. And I ate Wendy's every other day my freshman year, and I've never eaten Wendy's, Wendy's since. It was, like, just the worst experience. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so, so home-cooked food was, like, a premium. And then I started going to Daily Mass more um, because, like, my friends would go to Daily Mass. There were girls that I, I – uh, had crushes on that went to daily mass and um and I heard you could eat the leftovers <laughs> from Tuesday night dinner after after uh, lunch after daily mass afterwards I was oh. like oh, oh this yeah. is bad, great bad. so like my buddy and I would mm. subsist on leftovers for like three or four days I remember him like scraping out week old vegetarian <laughs> chili from like a, from the original pot I was like dude how are you eating that oh. um, it was so gross well, that's totally something <laughs> I would do so <laughs> <laughs> easily now now we're <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Now we're both priests. So, you know, it works out. But uh, so I as I was um, going like my vocation, as I was learning to pray more and like kind of getting involved in my faith more, um, my vocation started coming coming back up. I I had thought about being a priest when I was a little kid and I kind of put that away in high school. And and um, and when I uh, so so it started coming back up and I thought, you know, maybe this is something I should look at. But at the same time, I was very interested in dating. I was very interested in kind of my own career and things like that. And I, I had a, a longer-term relationship my junior year. And my junior year, I, I told myself my freshman, and sophomore year, don't worry about the future until your junior year, and then figure it out. At my junior year, not only did I h- was my time to f- think about my future, but also like all my original career path decisions like were no longer attractive to me. I didn't want to do politics. I didn't want to do so many different things. <laughs> and so I was like, "Shoot, uh, this is." And I was dating someone, and this vocation thing was coming up. So I was like. I've got to figure out my life. I've got to figure out my life. And you know, the funny thing is, when you repeat to yourself over and over again, I've got to figure out my life, it doesn't help at all. <laughs> and all you do is just get super anxious. And like, my heart was like, totally collapsing. And I was like, breaking up with my girlfriend and getting back together with her like several different times, saying like, I've got to be a priest. No, I'm not gonna be a priest, you know. And um, in the end, uh, vocation, the vocation director, who's the priest who recruits um, priests, his name was Monsignor Pankey, and he had been the chaplain at GW. And um, he said to me, he's like, you gotta stop discerning. And I was like, sounds pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. But uh, he said, uh, um, you're you're missing the point. Like, it's not about figuring out your life. It's about like receiving a call from Jesus. And you don't know Jesus. You're just figuring. You're just trying to figure things out. And I was like, that makes sense. So I stopped. I was like, I'm not gonna think about my future. I'm not gonna think about when I graduate. I'm not gonna think about what I'm gonna do with my life. I'm not gonna worry about any of that. I'm just gonna say to the Lord, okay that's all yours. I'm just not, I'm just going to try and get to know you. And so I just focused on praying and, uh, uh, the relationship ended. It was tough. It was really painful. I, uh, but it was really, it was the right thing, you know? And, um, uh, and, you know, I was totally immature and like not really <laughs> a great boyfriend, but, uh, um, uh, it was, uh, um, uh, it was, um, the, uh, the, there was a peace with it. Was, and I go in, I went, I was going into my senior year just with like no future plans i was just going to apply to everything and see what happened and just a real sense of peace and then just really focusing on praying and like going to adoration as much as i could and and praying in the chapel as much as i could i had a key to our newman center and so i was there all the time like and i lived right around the corner from it so i could like just walk there and it was basically my home and um and uh so my senior year i was serving mass and um I was looking at the priest, and I thought to myself in my heart, like, maybe I could do that. Like, maybe, 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 maybe I could do that. And just that, like, small opening to the Lord, really changed my life. And and he just kind of like rushed into my heart, and I felt such joy and peace and satisfaction. And and the only thing that I could keep saying to myself was like, to articulate the experience was, did not our hearts burn within us as He spoke to us on the way, which is the from the road to Emmaus story in, in the Gospel of Luke, and. And I was like, okay, he's talking to me. And even then I was like, okay, but maybe this means I, I need to go to seminary. But that's probably several years down the road. And actually, this is probably just kind of directing me towards meeting my wife. You know, like, I was like, I'll become I'll become a Catholic school teacher. I'll discern for a couple years. And then I'll probably meet my wife there. And then, and, but this is how God's going to get me to that place. Not yeah. that I was going to go to the oh, seminary. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I went to see the vocation director again. Big mistake. And uh, And he was like, yeah, I think the Lord's calling to you and I think the Lord's calling you but we'll see about the priesthood, but I think he's calling you to enter the seminary right when you graduate. And I was like, oh. uh what? You know, <laughs> but the more the more I sat with it, the more I was just like, Yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. It was never like one huge moment, but I was like, Yeah, I'm gonna go to the seminary. I had applied to grad schools and I had to like send I was getting the letters back and I had to like send, you know, sorry, I'm not gonna go. I knew like even though I I had these other opportunities. I knew that that was what I was going to do. I was going to go to the seminary. So I asked for an application my hand was like shaking when I was taking it from him. And then, uh, after like a a ton of interviews and background checks and psychological evaluations and all this kind of stuff, I got accepted. And the moment, the day I got accepted, I was at the Newman center. It was Tuesday night dinner. My friends were cooking, cooking dinner. We, we had to cook dinner when I was there. It wasn't, it was cooked by the students. It wasn't donated. So I, for a semester, I was the Tuesday night dinner cook and that added to the stress. It was horrible. But, um, uh, so my friends were cooking dinner, and um, I got the news that I was going to the seminary, and I was so excited, and I was jumping off of chairs, and <laughs> like. <laughs> then I was like, hold on, I'm going to go thank God. So I went up to the chapel, and I, I kneeled down, and I prayed evening prayer to thank God, and evening prayer all priests and religious and seminarians have to have to say it. Yeah. And so one of the prayers, one of the prayers during evening prayer was did not our hearts burn within us as he spoke to us on the way. And I was like, oh my gosh, like and there was a line about the priesthood in the in, in another part of it and I was like shoot. And I was like crying. I'm like this is amazing and and so yeah, and then I entered the seminary and right after I graduated and um uh have been super happy ever since. Like it was really really great joy, you know, to have that peace and that certitude and know that you're doing the, the Lord's will. Like Nothing better, nothing better. So that uh, that's my little vocation spiel. And that's how I got. And then eventually, yeah. uh, you guys were being punished, and so they, they sent me <laughs> yeah. to uh, to be a chaplain here. So <laughs> discussion for another day, <laughs> preferably when I'm not on the podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so going through kind of your whole vocation, so what do you advise or recommend to? college students now like i'll give myself as a personal example i am a big fan unfortunately of letting school and like that priority rule my life and i I have a feeling that 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 probably (laughs) blocks that being able to listen to what my vocation is Mm -hmm. and to be able to listen to what's coming in from god what do you recommend for students who might either just be really busy with things or might have trouble like figuring out where to go to find their vocation
2: so I would say listen to the lesson of like every 90s uh, cheesy movie like Hook (laughs) or I'm trying to think of others there's always a dad who's too busy at work to care for his family right and then he Mm -hmm. comes through some sort of circumstance he discovers he's actually Peter Pan or something like that (laughs) and and he realizes oh my gosh my priorities have been messed up this whole time right and I should have been home with my family and and It's all about priorities. It's about priorities. What is the most important thing in your life? And if the most important thing in your life is school, then that's fine. You're going to be spending a lot of time on school, and it's not going to be the most satisfying thing Mm -hmm. in the world. How do you guys feel after you get your grades? Are you like, yes, existential satisfaction. Like, <laughs> I have aced biochem. Like, you know, is that is that is that it? Or is it like passing
0: no, thing? I've lived to survive another day. <laughs> exactly. The but then the, the stress just then would go and focus on, okay, now I have another assignment that's due next <laughs> exactly. week. You know, exactly. Yeah. Satisfaction yeah. is short-lived. Exactly. It's just
1: a, like, okay, sure great that i'm like still afloat here but what's the next thing cuz <laughs> like i know something else is coming and so
0: so so yeah
2: so it's all about okay what are my priorities what's the most important thing when i put first things first then second things follow that's what cs lewis says and so if we have our priorities in the right order then everything is better in the long run you take more delight in your in your schoolwork when your schoolwork is not the most important thing when it's the second most Im- or third most important thing it really should be a fourth or fifth you know in the long run no one's going to care what your grades are in 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 the long run no one does no one's gonna care (laughs) um maybe if you like consistently fail that's one thing but like otherwise it's not the biggest the biggest thing when it comes to hiring or anything like that so what's most important is god the most important thing in your life and how does that show like if someone was able to look at a daily calendar of your life what would they say the most important thing is you know where's what's taking the pride of place what's taking the most important time of your day how much time are you devoting to it and so if that's the case, then give God the time, you know, give God the time. And then you can you can listen to him. Then you can hear him. Then you live in a relationship with him. He should be the most important thing because he is, like, I mean, after the next, like, 50 to 70 years, you're not going to be worrying about any of this stuff at all. There's <laughs> only going to be one thing. And that one thing is going to last from the day you die until eternity. So, like, okay, what should be the most important thing? It should be that. It should be God. And so... Just reorienting yourself, that's, that's the key.
1: Awesome.
0: Very nice. I'm going to add one more thing. is for Let's just say you're starting at ground zero. Mm-hmm. What's the best way to straighten your priorities? Or yeah. Get your priorities yeah. in the right place. It's always, t- it's
2: always time. So l- I think that's the easiest way to see it. If, you, if you're getting married, if you're dating someone, like the first thing that changes is how you spend your time, right? Yeah. Especially when you get married, because now your time doesn't even belong to you. It belongs to someone else, and you have to run everything by them, things like that. So it's the same thing with God, spending the time, spending the time. And so if you're starting ground level, like you can't necessarily like, okay, I'm going to go meditate for the next three hours. You know, that might be tough, but you start by making consistent allocations Mm -hmm. of time. I'm going to spend half an hour as best I can trying to pray.
0: And then you go from there. So, yeah. Awesome. Excellent. Excellent.
1: Okay. I have a kind of um, not as serious question for you. Um, This is not so much in relation to like your personal vocation, but just your experience as a priest. Do you have a uh, something that comes up in your mind as the craziest priest story that you have mm. experienced? Oh
2: gosh, the craziest priest story. I I know I have several. I can like th- they're bubbling on the back of my head. Let me see if I can think of one off the top of my head. Um. This isn't super crazy. Like I've been asked to hear confessions all sorts of different places. I've heard a okay. confession on the metro before, like oh. uh, just That's randomly kind of cool. walking, walking <laughs> uh, in a field. Like someone's, "Hey, Father, can I hear? Can you hear my confession?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, sure, sounds mm-hmm. great." Um, uh, I've done a couple deathbed things, which are crazy in a different kind of way and like really beautiful and powerful. Um, I think I shared. You guys talked last week about uh, retreat. I shared one of those stories on one of the retreats. Um, and and just seeing the faith uh, of of people as they're facing their last moments. Um, I've done some cool stuff in Rome when I was a priest in Rome. That was really awesome. So, like, I backpacked the Camino uh, for Christmas and, like, got to say Mass every day in different places and stuff like that. So that was pretty cool. And, yeah. Yeah. I can't think of anything, like, super wild off the top of my head. I'm sure it will come to me later. You can have me back on. Oh,
0: yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, one more quick question. Uh, about the very beginning of your story, going from the Midwest to the East Coast, what's the weirdest thing about East Coast people that you know yeah, of? Sure <laughs> yeah, maybe if it. there's multiple of them, like a top three.
2: Okay, so don't be offended, but people on the East Coast um, swear a lot more in public <laughs> than people in the Midwest. Like, people in the Midwest just are nicer in general to other people. Like, are greeting people like human beings and stuff like that? But the two things that were the biggest shock to me, I, so I grew up outside of Chicago, and the two things that were the biggest shock to me was, one, I realized one day, wait, not everyone is Polish. And it was just, like, it came <laughs> into my mind. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> not everyone's Polish. I'm Polish. Well, okay, so here, here's the uh, here's the uh, but the thing is, in 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 outside of Chicago, all my friends' last names ended in ski. I knew I wasn't Polish, but we had Kibalowski and Swatkowski and Stepanik and all these different Polish names all the time, and I just grew up with it. I just always we had Casimir Pulaski Day off of school. And like, which is, he was a Polish general in the Revolutionary War. And like, that's that's how Polish it was. And then I came here, I was like, not everyone's Polish. And then the other thing was, I discovered that uh, the Italian beef, which is a Chicago, like, staple sandwich, was a Chicago food. I was like, where can I get some Italian beef? And like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, Wait, you don't know about Italian beef? Like, no, that's. it's the best how do you not know about it and then it was like oh it's just from chicago apparently so yeah those were two big culture shock moments for me (laughs) okay so
1: you mentioned chicago and italian beef Mm -hmm. and so that kind of leads into my next question for you is um if like someone were to be visiting chicago Mm -hmm. what would you recommend they do whether it's like go to this like restaurant like you want to go to this place something like that just like Do you have a favorite of Chicago? Okay,
2: quick list, very quick bullet points. Just take notes. One, um, Portillo's, best fast food restaurant in the entire world. You get uh, a, a Chicago dog with everything on it and a chocolate cake shake, which has... 2100 calories oh, <laughs> that is amazing that, yeah. they take but a full piece of chocolate cape, cake and put it into a milkshake it's fantastic <laughs> oh um, two real pizza real pizza is amazing <laughs> it should pizza should be at least two inches thick oh, the yes. sauce is on the top and the cheese is at the bottom and you need yes. a fork and knife um, three you have to go see the Cubs at Wrigley field and it's an experience that you know everyone should experience in their lifetime Wrigley is classic. Uh, walking down by the, the lake Grant Park, all the kind of stuff the, the skyscrapers, you got to do the Sears Tower um, or whatever it's called now tour. The, the architectural boat tour is like one of the best Chicago things where they drive you <laughs> along the river and like you um, you take a boat and actually so it's really funny. The Chicago, the bridges all have grating, so you can see through them. Like it's all made out of iron, so you can see right down. It's that's for the expansion and, and freezing in the winter. Okay. And um, one time, the Dave Matthews Band, I think it was the Dave Matthews Band, was in Chicago, and their tour bus was over the bridge, and the bu- they were stuck in traffic, and the bus driver decided he was just going to release the um, the toilet section of the thing into the river. And it just so happened that the architectural boat tour was going on <laughs> underneath, right at that exact moment, and the the sewage was released right on top of the people who were in the to, to tour oh, no. yeah and i was on that tour like a week beforehand we we missed oh, it by one gosh. week but yeah um,
0: i think it's something that you're happy that you missed. oh yeah it was crazy no, it, was,
2: it was amazing and then my last favorite thing my hometown is naperville illinois which is the form the platonic form of suburb but um we have the prettiest church in the world saint peter and paul it is so gorgeous and um and then right down the street is um, Cookie Dough Creations, which will make you the best cookie sandwich. It was long before um, Insomnia. You had like, oh, really amazing stuff. And then they have Cookie Dough that they sell. You can make Cookie Dough Sundays and stuff like that. It's really good. That sounds so.
0: All right, we're going to Chicago tomorrow. Yeah. Okay, so road trip needs to be planned now. That'll be our high, low, and God moments from next week. (laughs) That's right. That's right. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Wednesday Dinner, Chicago edition. (laughs) All right. Well,
1: thank you so much, Father Conrad, for joining us this week. It was a blast having you on here.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: And thank you guys so much for listening. We'll uh, be back next week with another episode. See you
0: guys.